this is Phil Yanov with the Tech After Five podcast. And, uh, you know, here we are. We're still in our contained, confined spaces. In fact, one of the things I want to make sure is that you know that, um, and of course, this is going to go even better if you're watching the video, that I am safe to be around. I am not running a fever. I have my non-contact Chinese-made infrared thermometer right here saying uh, that I am in the green zone. That's what that green light means. It comes up red if you're running a fever. So uh, the good news is that uh, I am still hale and uh, healthy. But uh, I'm here to talk to you about all kinds of tech stuff. And as usual, I've got my pals here. I'm going to start with, um, let's see, I have uh, Carol Hamilton here is here on the table with us. When I say at the table, of course, again, we're separated by Wi-Fi and uh, Zoom screens. But uh, Carol, how are you doing? I'm doing great. So I know we've been talking about my artwork through the, the weeks here. And today's artwork is the TEDx poster from Grounded, which was the first Appalachian uh, TEDx program ever done. It was done in Corbin, Kentucky last March. And so that's my big highlight for the day. Uh, That was an amazing program that everybody said, oh, you can't get this done. Nobody there will buy tickets. And they sold out in a matter of hours. So that is a moment of inspiration to us all. So whoever says you can't, just talk about Corbin. (laughs) <laughs> oh, that's awesome. A TEDx in Corbin, Kentucky. Yeah. Um, and you were at that, I presume. I Yeah, I was uh, fortunate enough to be their speaker coach. And so I had an opportunity to work with the participants before they went up and, and did their thing. And the whole thing was the theme was grounded. And it was really so timely because it was really talking about how do you take a community who has been, the entire economy has been based on coal And the changes in that marketplace have been profound. And now what are people doing? And speaker after speaker after speaker came up and said, well, we're doing this with reclaimed land and we're doing this with uh, alternative energies and we're doing this in our farming community. And it was, it was just extraordinary. One story after the next of inspiration. Yeah. That's super cool. Wow. Now you got me wondering if Corbin, Kentucky, if they've got TEDx, sounds like they need a tech after five. We're gonna have to talk to them and see, uh, if that's the thing we might have up there. Amazing community. Yeah. Also, I've got my pal uh, Scott Pfeiffer here with me. Uh, Scott, how are things in your world over there? Well, things are pretty good over here uh, in downtown Greenville. Uh, we are sheltering in place. I don't think I've left the house other than to sit on my porch or walk uh, around the neighborhood since, I don't know, last Saturday, I guess I went to the grocery store. That's about it. Uh, I don't have a cool Chinese thermometer. Um, Wait a second. Let me take your temperature. Take my temperature. Chinese. Well, I was just going to say you're hot. It's okay. It, oh, <laughs> nice. Wow. Well, luckily, I we needed Carol to do that. The thermometer won't. But. And I don't have uh, ever-changing artwork, but I do have uh, over my right shoulder my brave Chinese warrior who watches over the house and makes sure that no evil spirits can come in to harm uh, anyone here. Uh, it's a great piece of art that I bought in Chinatown in San Francisco on a visit there, uh, shipped back to Greenville. So it's got it's a matching piece that's the same size. It's a very large uh, thing. It's the same size, but it's turned the other way. And it's over the couch, and it's um, a bunch of celestial dragons. Mm. 
throwing fireballs at each other. So it's a pretty cool piece too. So Yeah, super cool. Well, we've managed to, uh, it, A, that is super awesome. And B, we've managed to lose everyone who's just listening and not watching the <laughs> show. So that's excellent. We've managed to, uh, to do that right here, right at the beginning. But I guess we could tell people that if you're the kind of person that likes to watch when people talk, uh, you can do that by watching the uh, Tech After Five podcast on uh, YouTube of some or something like that. So that might work. Um, okay. So Scott and Carol, we have had another big week out there and lots of things have happened to folks. But one of the things I wanted to start out with here in terms of things we talk to our audiences, I got a letter this week from one of my friends, uh, Bill Bliss, and Bill asked, well, how are you doing? And he asked me a couple, three questions in terms of a check-in. And I loved it because I think that it kind of, it matters how we are doing and it is useful to check in. I know one of the things I said this week is I want to, we've talked about checking in on extroverts. I think one of the things I've tried to do is check in on other people who are running communities. Cause a lot of times we look at the givers in communities. We think they must be okay. Cause they're giving, they must be just fine. I don't know if that's always the case. Right. So I reached out to a couple of other local givers and asked them about how they were doing this week, but I got this great letter from Bill and he asked me three questions and I thought, you know what? I think we ought to ask this of our audience. So I thought we would do that for ourselves first. So we asked three questions. So they are, Number one was, are you and your family safe? Number two, what is one thing you have learned this week? And uh, number three, what is one thing you are doing differently as a result of your altered work schedule or working environment? So I'm I'm hoping Bill wrote these because I'm giving him all the credit in the world for bringing these questions to me. But um, I thought I might ask our crowd here how things are going in their world. So I'm going to start with you, Scott. And uh, I'm assuming you can see these questions. I don't need to repeat them. But uh, how about you repeat them as you answer them for us? Okay. The first question is, uh, are I and my family safe? And yes, uh, I am safe. Uh, I think everyone uh, in my particular orbit, as a matter of fact, is doing okay health-wise. Um, so we have a um, family happy hour that we have started every Friday at five. And so it's me and both of my children and both of my sisters and my mom and my stepmom. And um, we just get on there and have a, you know, an hour check in, see how everybody's doing. And everybody seems to be doing well. Uh, one thing I've learned this week, do you want me to answer the second question? You want to, Carol, to answer the first question first? Well, I don't know. Maybe we all go around and do that, do one question at a time. But So that's, right. that's a good thing to know. And I put them up here in the chat window so we can see them as well. But um, Carol, how about you? Yep, we're very, very fortunate. Everybody's safe and healthy. Um, in fact, my my dad was in the hospital in February and got out just before this all kicked in. And while we were grateful that everything went well anyway, it was particularly nice to know that he wasn't in in the midst of this because he was he's in a, several of the high high risk groups. But yeah, so far so good. Life, we're actually talking more to Scott's point. We're all talking more, I think, than we have been. So that part of it is really nice. But the better part is that we're safe and healthy. Yeah. I like the fact that uh, Scott can get his family together and call it happy hour. I would just call it drinking to cope hour. But, um, you know, but just get them together. And yeah. Oh, we're a happy group. Yeah, yeah. that's good. 
good on you. Um, you know, we're we're uh, safe and healthy in our crowd too. It's uh, you know my the thing that I'm concerned kind of with Carol brought up a little bit. You know, I, I've uh, I have uh, a mother who's older. And I continue to be concerned for her health. The good news is she is a natural at sheltering in place. She would be a hermit if you let her, you know, now this is a cut out her trips to Walmart and the hair salon. And, you know, in a moment, you know, in the next couple of weeks, this is going to be, she's going to be cranky about this. Right. But at the moment, uh, she does, she's naturally a kind of person that like she lives out in the country by herself. My brothers are checking on her. She lives far away from me. So I don't get to check in on her, but I call her and just see how she's doing. And that's good. So very good with that. You know, in my health, I'm okay at this moment. And I hope to stay okay by mostly avoiding being in crowds of people. Although I love doing that, this is not the right time for me to do it. So I kind of stay out of that. Uh, so uh, one thing you have learned this week, Carol, do you have an answer for that one? I have undervalued TikTok. So, um, wow. <laughs> Wow. Uh, I was not expecting TikTok to come out of anybody's mouth this week. Nope. I didn't either. I would not have told you this is a valuable use of time. However, I have an in-house curator. So I don't have to go through them. I just get, oh, you got to see this one. And I get to watch that one and then hand it back until the next curated one comes. Is it your husband? Yes. And he's, he's got a great sense of humor. And I will tell you, I, um, there is some funny stuff on that. And there are moments this week was a little bit more intense. No, this, this week sucked. It was, this was a very intense week. And I think TikTok actually helped tremendously. It was a couple of moments. I just need to be pulled out because I just got tired of the news and tired of the the business climate and and things. Then things also got better. But I I think the value of TikTok. So there it is. I'm scared this is being recorded, but nevertheless, I'm going to wow. stand by it. Well, all, all, all you did was admit to being on TikTok. That's all. Um, Scott, anything for you? Anything you learned this week? Well, I relearned a good lesson this week, and that is about. Uh, framing the question or framing the problem really matters a lot. And so I was having a Zoom call with a customer, a client of mine, and they've got a they've got a big project coming up. They're trying to land it, and they don't think they're going to be able to go on site where they need to go to get this thing uh, put to bed. Um, but the, they don't want the project to be delayed, and the their client doesn't want the project to be delayed. So the question was posed, can we do it remotely? And the answers were all, here's why not, here's why not, here's why not, here's why not. So we reframed the question and I said, okay, let's back up. Let's assume we have to do this remotely. How can we get it done? And it totally shifted the entire conversation. And at the end, we had a plan. Mm-hmm. Um, so just framing the question right and taking some time before you jump into problem solving to frame the question well matters a lot. And I saw that in Living Color this week, and it really reinforced it for me. Oh, that's great. And I think that's just a valuable tool in lots of places, right? We're going to talk about some tools later in the show. 
But uh, that is a great tool. And just that, let's just assume, um, you know, the, the stoic answer to what you just said is that the obstacle is the path, right? So if this is what we're going to do, this is the mountain we're climbing, we're going to climb it. So let's just make that part of the solution, right? So um, we're just, we're going to get this done. How, what is it going to look like when we do it? I love that. It's kind of a natural from my military training. You know, you're, you're, out you're on maneuvers and you know the order changes and it's okay you have to go this now do this now and it's not well here's all the reasons i shouldn't have to do that it's okay this is the mission how are we going to get it done right right yeah yeah that's good uh you know for me that i put the is the thing i'd learned this week is that um i know that i can tell in myself that my mind and my body craves connection i told someone this week i posted this on twitter that and this is was true then, true now. Um, I dreamt of being in a room full of people this <laughs> week, and I, I was. I told Scott earlier. I said this is like when I'm doing one of my two day fasts. Usually, the last day of the fast, I dream about like a pancake breakfast. You know, it's like the thing I haven't had. My body is saying, "Man, you need to get some more of this in your life." So uh, this week, instead of dreaming about the uh, pancake breakfast or the smothered covered chunked and topped, which is also a thing I can't have because the <laughs> Waffle House is closed. Um, but uh, being all of that gone, I was uh, dreaming about being in a room full of people. And it was kind of like, oh, and then I was worried because like, what are all these people doing here? So uh, I had both of that. I, but that's the thing. Our, my, the thing I learned is our minds crave connection and it will do what it can to get that for us. Uh, one thing you are doing differently as a result of your altered work schedule or work environment. Scott, how about you? Well, my work schedule and work environment hasn't changed that much because I was already working from home before uh, this happened. Uh, it is a little, you know, even though I didn't have face-to-face meetings a lot, I did have them. Sometimes I'm working on a big project for one of my uh, customers and it's like swimming through molasses and I am just dying to just drive out to where they're not working anymore, but I wish they were and sit down with them. And I feel like if I could sit down face to face for an hour, I could do what online email and back and forth is taking days and days and days. So that's a little frustrating. But other than that, um, my evenings have been altered more than my days. And so, uh, as you know, I'm a big gamer and I would get together with friends two or three nights a week and play uh, board games or role-playing games. And so we're having to move all that online. So I've learned a lot about how to use various online gaming platforms from gaming apps to Roll20 to other uh, things. That's been a learning experience, but it's been a lot of fun. We're, we're having a good time doing it and we get yeah. that connection. Yeah. Still get to do that. Still get to play. Yeah. Um, and you know, you're always going to like the beer cause it's your beer at your house, right? You don't have to <laughs> depend on someone else to serve the right kind of beer. Exactly uh, Carol, right. how about you? Anything uh, different for you? Well, yeah, I actually drove by the airport once this week just to, because I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I want to see my frequent flyer miles in there. They're <laughs> gonna be in there. <laughs> I've been withdrawal. Uh, I want some, um, I, I just want people to be mean to me. And I was like, oh, I don't have any TSA agents at the house. I just invite them to come by and talk smack. Oh, <laughs> Sorry. I, I, it was all about you. And here I am. Go ahead. 
<laughs> no, I, um, you know, I had had a time last year when I'd gotten kind of burnt from traveling so much, and I am absolutely over that and ready to be on. Uh, what's changed, I think, less about this moment here is what's going to happen next. And so the conversations I'm having with clients are what kinds of investments are they going to be making going forward and going forward through 2020 and then even into 2021. And what we're seeing is a pretty distinct uh, differential between the people that are going to possibly stay online long term. I talked to one senior VP and she said, you know, in two weeks, we managed to get everybody home set up on highly secure lines. And while we never would have done that intentionally, now that we've done it, it's pretty intriguing to think about, do we really want to support that giant building over there that, no, that doesn't have anybody in it right now? Then the other side of that is who will we continue to invest in in live conversations and, and being sure that I am prepared with content as well as offerings for that and, and recognizing the needs going forward of what is that leadership going to need and then how are they also going to, what do they need to upskill and what would be the best use of their time to make sure that their leadership skills are being really well played. And so it's an intriguing conversation to see how the, the, the budgets are going to shift as to who's doing what and how, and then where our business fits into that as an industry, even how do we all fit into that? So to say it's changed is, is, is such an understatement, but to say it's, it's stable at this point is, is even equally understatement. We have just no idea. It is a moving platform and we'll see where it all lands. And a lot of it's going to have to do with the economy more so than the virus. Yeah, and it, it, depending on how long this lasts, right? What are we going to do? Yeah. I mean, we and we don't know the answers to that that right. kind of thing yet, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, the thing that I am doing differently. Um, when Bill asked me this question, I wrote, I said, "The thing I, I'm wearing a different watch, and the reason I'm wearing a different watch is because my beloved Swiss watch is not being moved enough during the day in order to stay wound, and uh, that was." a weird thing to me, right? Because that just doesn't happen. I'm, I mean, not that I'm like, I'm not super athletic. There's none of that, but I'm moving around. I'm talking, I'm doing it, seeing things, people. And so my watch wasn't staying on because it was an automatic movement. And uh, so I had to flip to another watch. Now I took that as a warning to me. It's like, all right, you are not getting enough steps in. You are not getting out in the world. And even I'll tell you yesterday, I felt pretty crummy about the whole thing. And I thought, when I say crummy about it, no, I felt crummy. And I knew the reason was it's because my body wasn't getting into motion as much as it should. So uh, I got up early this morning. I walked two miles this morning and I felt better immediately, right? I came back and was like, okay, now I can do what I'm doing here today. And I'll, I just, again, I don't, I didn't need anything hard. I just needed to be able to walk out and I did it early. So I ran into nobody, saw nobody, did nothing. It was just me doing my thing. And that was awfully fun. So the thing I learned is if I, I have to alter my schedule, I have to take control back of it. The world did something to me. It moved my life around in such a way I couldn't get the motion in that I normally get in. So today I took control of that myself and said, okay, I'm going to be determined. I'm going to determine what today looks like. And I would have got out and got a couple of miles in this morning. Super happy with how that turned out. So very good. That's really good. Yeah. I'm going to take a, your lead on that, Phil. I think that's a brilliant way to do it. And I know I don't have the watch to prove it, but there's no doubt that it gets really easy. And I would suggest that is one of the things that's changed 
because now that so much of the communication is virtual, it's really easy to sit in the chair for a really long time and go from call to call to call to call and email to email and realize, oh, you know, it's five o'clock and I haven't stood up yet, which yeah. is so bad and not what I want no, to right. do. Right. And I think as I stand up and I walk, I walk out and I think I gotta, and I was like, oh, I really got to do this other thing. And I come back and sit back down. Yes. Thing. And, you know, even in my last office, I had a standing desk and I never set this one up this way because I'm, was rarely here. Now I'm thinking about, do I come back and configure this to be a standing desk in here the way I did in my prior office? So I have a standing desk. You do? Still? Yeah. 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 I think that's, I think that's just something I need to do, but I realize I just feel crummy if I don't get my body moving along as well. So that's it. Down all day is, it's as bad as smoking. Yeah. I can't smoke in the house. So, <laughs> <laughs> so no, there you so, go. Step outside to go smoke. <laughs> you know, no. most, most houses have a welcome sign out front. Mine is no cigars in the house. So <laughs> that kind of thing. Um, so, uh, we you know, we got some answers from the audience and I got some more sort of pulling in as well. But, um, you know, the neat thing I'm seeing in this is that people are working with Zoom, a lot of folks out there, kind of the thing that they've learned, their altered environment is spending a lot of time on video conferencing. Uh, we've, although I think we have talked about this an awful lot, one of the things I got out of the audience was they want us to go back and talk more about setting up configuring Zoom itself or configuring video conferencing to, be, uh, to work in a way that's useful to them and avoid the kind of bombing thing. I had someone, um, in fact, just wrote me and just said that um, – their concern is they're spends they're trying to avoid the big Zoom calls because it's a little bit overwhelming for them. Now I will tell you that when what we're going to do for Tech After Five is kind of cool. I don't have to have a big call. I can I can I can start with a big call and crush it down into little calls, which is kind of cool. So we'll be doing that. Um, but it's a um, I think that what we're seeing is that you know. The folks in the audience, some things are working really well. Some folks are out there looking for jobs, and this is a good opportunity for them. I can tell that there are people out there saying, I'm using this time productively as they go looking for the next gig. I will say that I have talked to two different recruiting friends this week, and uh, they're saying that they are not seeing any difference in their regular business. Now, that is that their ongoing business is ongoing. Um, they're certainly seeing a decrease in new incoming business, right? So the wide end of the funnel, there's not as much coming in as people are trying to figure out what the new normal looks like. But their ongoing stuff is going on, right? So that that work is still going. So that's worked out really well for them. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I, I think it is. Go is ahead. Is that Carol. where the focus on tech jobs? Is that what you're seeing in particular? Or are you talking yes. to tech recruiters specifically? Yeah, so in, my, so in my, my world, that's yeah. all we're really normally talking about. So it would be, yeah. you know, people who are doing coding or people who are doing right. software development. But, you know, even the folks who are doing support, they're just simply doing that support from home, right? So they're supporting so many desktop clients, but they're doing that off all via remotely, as they might have done prior anyway. You know, we've, sure. we've moved away from people doing that by walking up to your desk. That, there's not as much of that going on as there used to be. Well, and I'm seeing an enormous opportunity for people who want to be that help to people, the leader groups who, I think we talked about this last time when we did Zoom, where I've got a client who's trying to get everybody into this, 
And the, the tech people are saying, you know, we've had this for years, but nobody's been using it. And there is a huge opportunity for people to be that, that internal support call that says, help, I've got this high stakes meeting. Can you walk me through or sit through my call with me? Should the world come tumbling down? Can you be there? And I, I think there's real opportunity in that part of the, the, job, the job too, and part of the tech. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, Again, I, we, we have sent you emails. We're encouraging you to, to check in with us and uh, let this be one more thing through the terms of the podcast. Just uh, drop us a line in all the places that you can find us. You know, send us an email uh, to Tech After Five or hit us up on Twitter or Facebook, even uh, something like that, and just kind of let us know what's going on in your world. So, um, my question is for you. I mean, you folks out there, you're, you've both have clients and customers. I don't know what that level of activity is for you at the moment. What is working for you and your clients at the moment? I think, Scott, you had some stuff that you already told us. I don't know if there was more to that or if any other learnings you had this week of stuff like, hey, this is really working good. Well, I mean, I think that for the most part, uh, getting together with Zoom meetings and stuff like that uh, is working pretty well. Uh, we've been having more of those kinds of meetings. Uh, I think because they're, you know, in a lot of these places, they don't have like Carol said, the face to face or the just drop by the desk. So they're having to do more scheduled, uh, meetings, but they seem for the most part to be going well. And, uh, you know, there are a couple of, like I said, there's that one project I'm slogging through that I just wish I could go get face to face for an hour to move it forward. But that's probably the only tough one um i see scott going out and buying him a couple of those nbc suits you know nuclear biological <laughs> chemical suits all right there's one for me there's one for the ceo and there's one for his right hand man and now we're all going to get at a room and have a talk exactly just tell me the answers to these questions right now yeah. just go through it get the documents knock it out yeah that'd be nice yeah Carol, anything on your side stuff well, how are your clients the, responding yeah the motion i'm seeing is in the global that the U.S. is behind this curve in, of, of the rest of the world, or a lot of the world, not necessarily India. They, they got to the same place first, yeah. Yeah, so they're ahead. Therefore, they're already thinking. In fact, I actually approached one of my significant clients who's based out of France. I said, do you, you know, do we need to be talking about online for these upcoming, these five things going on this year? And they said, no, we're, we don't want to have that conversation at all. We'll let you know if we have to, but we don't. Versus the American uh, segment of that same company said, yeah, we're going online to the end of 2020. So again, going back to that, if you're looking for another job, if you're interested in a global company, especially, do not close the door thinking they're done. They may actually be gearing up. A lot of them are. Because they're through, in their minds, they're on the other side of this said curve. And so they're, they're looking at how do we restart? How do we get going again? In a way that's quite different. Yeah, that's interesting. You know, my wife's talking about, you know, they're, of course, a global enterprise, but the, the Chinese element of that, they're, that's rolling back online, right? Whereas some of their operations in the U.S. are gearing up for slowing down now. They're still, on, like you said, on the front end of that, right? So they see, you know, in certain parts of their operation, they'll be cut in half and then cut in half again and then shut down for a few weeks. Right. Um, whereas, like I said, on the Chinese side, they see this stuff is now up coming up. They've already been through the shutdown phase. Now they're starting to roll back into play. So 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and the Europeans are catching up and everybody, the world waits to see what happens in India. So that is another piece of it is just to see what impact that's going to have. But yeah, it's, it's, there's some encouraging, there's some light at the end of the tunnel, which is nice to see. Yeah. Well, good, 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 good. So the thing is, I think in the spot, you know, we think of maybe this upcoming time still is kind of tough for our audience. And I know that I have not gone through this unscathed either. So I thought that maybe we would come up, we would change the tone here or change the topic here for a little bit and talk about some of the strategies we might have come up to sort of calm that worried mind, right? And now there's lots of tools and things out there and lots of technology. And so we certainly, you know, if you're in that spot where you need someone to sort of professionally help you, we want you to get that. But the thing is, if there are things that you can be doing on a long-term basis to kind of keep yourself where you want to be, we got some strategies for helping calm a worried mind about that. Um, so I'll, let me, I'll start here on this first one. Uh, and I've got, I put out five cause you know, it's tech after five. What the heck? I mean, the list, <laughs> the list should probably be 10 long, but I thought I'm going to cut it to five here. Right. Nice. Um, but my, one of the first ones, and I know it's one that we've, uh, I've certainly talked about a lot in, in the past is, you know, is this sort of uh, being able to kind of remove yourself from the situation by essentially practicing the idea of being the observer in it, right? So a tool that we have is that rather than sort of being in, uh, rather than being in the movie and feeling like the, the person who's getting beat up in through all of this, that if there is some way for you to kind of, um, get back and look at this from above, if you will, be the observer of your own life. That's a big help. You know, uh, the uh, the Stoics said our lives are always wrapped around in a bit of smoke. Is it the Stoics or this? That might have been older. But it, but the whole idea of philosophers felt that our lives are kind of wrapped around. Well, none of us knows for sure what's going on, but it's kind of hard to figure out. But if we could just get ourselves back to another layer, right, and look down at what we were doing to be an observer as opposed to a participant in this story, uh, that we could uh, actually give ourselves enough calming influence to realize, okay, this is bad. So the, the trick that we do in this in terms of being the observer is to look and say, okay, I'm not Phil, the guy who's got this problem right now trying to solve what are we going to do this week because family, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, all right, I could stand back and say, I'm the guy that's looking at and it's like, all right, there's a dude down there named Phil and he is all stressed out about something that, you know what, on Monday isn't even going to matter because it's done at that point, right? That's the observer kind of looking down. I don't know if you've ever practiced this idea, but I thought I'd toss it out to you guys and say, is this a technique that resonates for you? Uh, yeah, I look at it sort of a little bit differently, but sort of the same thing. To me, there's there's sort of the me that's the forward-facing me that worries and, and has all that stress. And then there's the other me that's sort of behind and above, like you described it. And instead of looking at it like this is me and that's sort of my conscious or my, you know, the, the little voice, flip that. The, the forward-facing part that worries is, is just the scared child inside me. And I'm the, the one, the, you know, the parental figure sitting above saying they're there. It's all going to be fine. Uh, you know, this too shall pass. And if I can, do that mental flip when I'm, when I'm in this worry mode, if I can do that mental flip and just say, okay, the part of you that's worrying is just you're a scared child. You need to comfort that scared child. 
yeah. uh, then that I find can be helpful in that moment. Yeah. I don't know. Carol, have you ever tried this Be the Observer? I don't know that we've ever talked about this, you and I, before, but it's a thing that when people come to be kind of stirred up in their own turmoil, I'll say, all right, what, how, what way can I give you that ability to kind of look down on this? Yeah, I actually put this into the category of meditation for me, where you just remove yourself from everything that feels so real and seems so impending and such doom. And you pull it back and you and you just find another place in yourself, in your breathing, in your physical self. And I think you brought it up really well when you talked about the two-mile walk. That's part of removing yourself from that situation. And I think uh, it, it's about replacing the thoughts with something else, maybe even silence or maybe it's a bird singing, just to get it out of that that tangle. I love that word of tangle where you suddenly your brain gets attached to a thought and it might play it over and over again. And it just keeps getting bigger, even though circumstances haven't changed. Yeah. And in a time like this, when the circumstances do change, then it can start to really seem real. And I think we go into a place or can go into a place of powerlessness and you got to come back and say, what am I in power? What do I have power over? Well, I have power of whether or not I stand up. Whether or not I go hug one of the people that I'm locked up with, whether or not I'm, you know, admiring the fact that we're actually having extraordinary weather. I, I have options as to where I put my thoughts and and that helps me become that observer and say, yeah, yeah I can see sure. why she's nervous, but yeah, it's all right. Look at that. What a great lead. You're taking us right into step two, right? Which is the second technique we give you is cognitive distancing, right? So in cognitive distancing, I am asking the questions, what do I have control over? And what do I don't have control over, right? What is that? When you look down and say, what really is, what is it really that I could do? And what does it, like, it doesn't matter what I do, something's going to happen. And why should I be bothered with that thing that's going to happen, right? Right. Well, especially when, I mean, it's so easy to get caught up in news. And I've got a lot of clients, coaching clients. One in particular called me and she said, I just can't shut it off. And I said, but you can. It's the power switch. And, and it's a, it is an absolute decision, but don't just decide to shut it off. Decide what you're going to replace it with. Yeah. Because all the stuff that's coming in one ear needs to have a counterbalance or an over counterbalance where it just comes in and overwhelms it. Because I think when we get into that overwhelm is when we don't know what else to think. And so go looking for things that inspire, motivate, remind you who you are. Maybe it's situations you've already lived through Maybe it's something where you can say, you know, it's been bad before and look where we are now, which is what, I mean, Simon Simic did a really great job. He put this on YouTube where he was talking to his team and he said, we've been through all of it. We've been through every possible change. And the only thing that would guarantee our failure is an inability to change again. Yeah. And I, I love that kind of thinking where you just go, okay, well, I can see where what I was doing is going to need to get retooled. But I'm good, and now let's move on. Yeah. So as we're facing this difficult situations, right, whatever that might be, and we could think about something we've went after that is challenging to us, right? Either something that's just happened to us or something that's about what we think is going to come up. And we say to ourselves, all right, in this situation, what do I have control over and what do I not have control mm-hmm. over, right? So what do I have control over? Well, if I, you know, if I'm going to... um I don't know, 
we'll pick a thing here. We're thinking, well, you know, quite frankly, a thing that we see a lot is folks who are looking for work. They, I hear, I hear catastrophizing. We bring this up a fair amount, but I hear people and they don't, they've never even had a conversation with their potential employer. They don't, they've never made the first call and they say, well, they don't, they're not going to hire me. An example is they're not going to hire me because I'm too old. I'm underqualified. I'm, you know, not in the right geography. It doesn't matter. They've got a million stories. People don't. And so they've done all these things. And what they didn't realize is, well, let's go into this situation first and say, what do I have control over? What do I not? I have control over whether I show up and make the call. I have control over whether my resume is well prepared. I have control over um, whether I do my research on the company. I have control over whether I've presented myself well. What I don't have control over is, are they going to decide on me or not? I don't know. Are they, you know, how are they? What, but the thing is, they'll discover there's this big long list of stuff they do have control over. They can spend time on. And there's other stuff they have zero control over. And they should spend no time worrying about that part of it, right? Right. I can't do it. You know, the, the, uh, the uh, Stoics used to say, uh, fate permitting. I will, I'm going to do my best. Something's going to happen. Whatever happened, I will do my best but it's fate permitting, right? I will get the job, fate permitting. I will show up there on time, fate permitting. If that happens, that's great, but I only have control over this stuff up to it. And at that point, the rest of it, that's just whatever happens. Uh, One story I use uh, to tell myself and that I have told my kids since they were little is I, you know, I am not just uh, an unwalled, village in the middle of nowhere that any hun or vandal or Visigoth can just ride into and sack my mood anytime it wants to. I'm a walled city. I got crossbowmen up on that walls and I decide when I let somebody else inside to change my mood, right? You have to be in control of what you let in and how it's going to affect you. Right. Uh, if If you're not a walled city, then you're subject at all times to the depredations of your enemies. Right. Um, You've got to, you've got to have some agency over what you allow in, what you're going to worry about, what you're going to think about. Um, And I think that's very important. And like you said, you know, deciding that there are things out there I can't control. I sometimes decide I still want to know more about them. So I'll go read articles about, you know, uh, economic theory or how this might, you know, but I don't have to. And if I'm stressed out about it, I can say, nope, shutting the doors, putting the crossbowmen up on the walls. You guys go away now. Right. Yeah. I've had enough of that. Go ahead, Carol. Yeah. And I, and I like even adding, because I love that whole story of the walled city. I would also add into that, you know, when there is somebody knocking on the door that you don't want to come in. And it's really important to get it, catch it as early as you can. I, I equate this, a friend of mine equates this to a, a, a car going downhill. If you know something is going off and you can feel somebody pushing your car off, now is the time to back it up as opposed to waiting till it's halfway down the hill or God forbid at the bottom of the hill, in which case you're just going to get run over. Mm-hmm. And so how can you start putting into those things For example, am I doing research? Am I learning about what's going on in economies? What are the options? And as soon as it turns from research and gathering information and data into that worry, that that gut twisting of, uh uh-oh, what if, what if, that's the moment when you say, aha, I have crossed a line. I now need to stop and go and do something else because I'm no longer taking this in as information. I'm taking this in as doom and gloom. 
I, yeah. I think that's exactly right. You have to monitor your moods and, and develop that skill of being able to know. Like if I'm on Twitter and I start to feel anxious or something, the first thing I do is look and say, have I accidentally gotten into a thread? Yeah. And that's where the doom and the, that's where the terribleness is. And, it, and oftentimes I have, I'm like, whoa, I didn't even know I was in a thread. Let me back out. Or, you know, if it's too bad, I'll just shut it off and go do something else. And I think part of this too is not just not worrying about things you can't control. It's also having confidence in yourself that you'll be able to handle whatever happens in the future, right? Right now I'm worried about it, but I've been through hard times before. I've been through change before and I was able to handle it and make it through. I'll be able to handle it and make it through when this comes to pass as well. I just have to believe in myself and have confidence that that's true and then quit worrying about it. Yeah, absolutely. All right, good. Scott, this number three is you, man. This is uh, the third technique for trying to calm a worried mind is to... Oh, sorry. I thought you had to listen for me. I'm sorry. I I just set you up for failure there, friend. This is what Phil's going to do to you. Um, So number three is take 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 action. action. You know, I I think I've said this on this podcast before, and that's exactly right. Uh, You know, the the for me, one of the best remedies for worry is action. Right? Don't sit around worry. Just take some action some small action towards solving the problem or solving a different problem. But if you can get your mind and your mood into an activity, um, sometimes if I'm really worried about money, maybe, uh, maybe I've lost a client or the revenues just aren't coming in and I'm worried about uh, money and how am I get, instead of worrying about it, I'll go make a budget, right? Just, yeah. Spreadsheet, start budgeting, start looking at what can be, what can change, what can I do? And just getting into that activity just calms you right down. And hey, you know, well, we talked about the walk earlier on and I always use the idea, the, the concept of Salvatore Ambulando, right? It is solved by walking. And that the whole point of that is just take some action, go do something. And the doing something lets your body realize I am in motion and I can make some changes here. And guess what? I might even be able to affect the outcome by taking action. Yeah. yeah. There's another uh, piece where you could also, one of those actions is to help somebody else. This is one of the biggest cures they use for people with depression is to get a sense of how valuable they are by helping somebody else, whether it's writing a $5 check to a charity or offering to get something from the grocery store and drop it off on your elderly neighbor's porch, whatever it might be. In my case, we live very rural. And sometimes I just get in the car and take a ride and remind myself as I look at the animals, we've got horses and sheep around us, that their lives are still going. My life is still going. And just to get a sense of peace of that, rather than turning on CNN or any of the other things that you might be doing, thinking you're taking a break only to discover that you again have left the research building and now you're going into that other place of mood. So, yeah. yeah. You know, Carol, I think that's a great piece of advice. Uh, we've talked before about having a list of 10 things that you can do when you feel down and having a mix of things you can do by yourself and with others and at day and at night, whatever, and um, help someone else is on my list of 10. And that works every time. If you can find a way to reach out and just be helpful to someone, it really does improve your mood immediately. Yeah. 
Good, good. All right, take action. So, so far, one, two, three. Number four is uh, delay worrying. I love this idea. I, I don't know that I'd ever heard of this before, but I heard someone present it this week and they said, you know, um, they said, we just, what we do is we say, I'll worry about that at four o'clock tomorrow or whatever. So they just set aside a time for it. And when I heard someone say this, I was just thinking, because I'd just recently gone through uh, To Kill a Mockingbird, and I remember Atticus Finch saying to Scout again and again, it's not time to worry yet, Scout. It's not time to worry yet. And, uh, you know, I'll tell you when it's time to worry. So I just love this idea. And I thought, okay, I could see me using this technique thinking, you know what, my brain's in it all scattered over a thing at this red hot minute. But if I just said, uh, guess what? I'm not going to let myself worry about this until four o'clock. And at four o'clock, I'll be worried about it. And I'll, and I give myself 20 minutes then to, to worry about it if I want to do it. But I think that could, uh, and uh, whoever presented this was talking about the science behind this and said, this really, really works. You can cut the, your own bad outcomes in terms of how your health works a lot by just saying, I'm just going to delay worrying on it till later. You know, it does work. This has been one of my go-to moves for a long time. I think I learned it in uh, counseling 10 or 15 years ago, but um, it's a great technique and it goes sort of hand in glove with trusting yourself uh, to be able to solve a problem at some point. It works not just with worrying and saying, okay, I'm going to schedule a time to worry about this. It's with almost any kind of problem that has you worried, like, you know, you've got a speech coming up you need to prepare for and it's just your mind's just spinning on it spinning on it spinning on it you can't get to the other things you need to do you say okay it's not time to worry about that speech right now i'm going to do that at four o'clock tomorrow and it's going to take me an hour and i'm confident i can get it done and once you've made that plan with yourself um often your mind will quit you know that unclosed loop that's spinning 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 and you're able to go do other things because you've you've made a plan you know when you're going to do it you put it on your calendar right i think I've it works great i'm having a funny thought listening to this so i was thinking i can imagine myself doing this where i say you know what i'm going to put that into tomorrow's worry box mm-hmm. and my first thought was to be sure and write it down because god forbid i get to that time and i forget what i was supposed to worry about <laughs> <laughs> And I think I'll avoid writing it down, actually. I think I'll just get there and see. I really like this idea. I'm going to try this one. I used to describe it sort of as drawers or boxes. You just take that thing and put it in this drawer and shut the drawer and you know it's in there and you can go pull it out when you've said you're going to pull it out. But right now it's it's in there. We're going to worry about this later. Yeah. It works really well. You should try it. Yeah, it will. So did you write it down, Scott, when you did it this way? When you think about it, do you ever write down what you're going to worry about later or you just trust yourself to come back with it? It it depends on what it is. I mean, if it's just a worry about something I can't do anything about, then um, sometimes I won't write it down. But if it's a worry about something I have to do, but that I can't do right now, then yeah, I'll make a plan. I'll say, okay, I'm going to think about this particular problem at this time and I'll put it on my calendar. I'm going to stick it in my field notes notebook and say, I'm going to write this down later. I'm going to worry about this on Tuesday. Yep, exactly. Because I got other stuff I got to do right now. 
there's got to be some way to convert that into something like the wimpy rule. You know, the whole thing about I'll get a burger on Wednesday. I'll pay you on Tuesday for a burger. I'll pay you Tuesday for a hamburger. That's right. Something like that. Yeah. (laughs) There's got to be some way to to work that in. I'll try to figure that out next time. Um, Last technique I've got here on our five techniques after delay worrying is hick et nunc. That means here and now, right? Most of the stuff we're worrying about is stuff that hasn't even happened yet. And if we could just get our head wrapped into the moment in which we're actually alive, we wouldn't worry and we would be much calmer, don't you think? Well, isn't that old saying, fear, um, future events appearing real and that we don't know? And has there ever been a better time to apply that and say, we have no idea and we can get, you know, you can, everybody's an expert on why you should be worried and why you should be in that future terror as opposed to right now and taking that breath. And we've been doing that a lot with just saying right in this moment, you know, we have a place to live and we're, we're counting blessings rather than fears. And that works for us. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I think this is a great advice and, um, you know, I think about this in a lot of different ways. One way is just that, right? In this particular moment, everything is fine. I'm in my house. I'm, I'm well fed. I'm talking with my friends on the internet. If I have any worry or bad feeling or sadness in this moment, I've brought it to the moment with me. Right. And the good news is, is that because I brought it to the moment with me, I can also take it away. Right. right? I'm in control. So now there are times when you didn't bring, you know, maybe you were in a car crash or, you know, you're on fire or something, right? You didn't bring that. It's bad in the moment. And you should go fix that immediately if that's the case. Right. Um, But if everything's fine, you know, I I talk to a lot of guy friends I know who are going through marital difficulties or divorce because I'm so experienced at it. And uh, that's one of the things I tell them, right? They're all sad and they're upset. I was like, you know, in this moment, you and I are sitting in a bar having a beer talking there's nothing wrong with this moment, right? Everything that's wrong in this moment, you're bringing with you into it. And the good news is you have the power to not do that. You just need to find it. Yeah. Why bring that baggage with you into this moment? So that's that bit, you know, if we can get ourselves focused in this thing at this moment, and of course this is where a lot of ideas about mindfulness and so forth come up. How can I appreciate the moment which I'm at? So sometimes I have to do exercises to kind of get myself focused in it. But if I could just be here in now, if I could be here now, I can uh, calm my mind much of the time. So, you know, I'll do things like, all right, what is happening right now that I'm not taking stock of that I should be? What could I appreciate at this very moment, right? And it might be the wind in the trees. It might be a gentle rain. It might be something else, right? The cat brushing up against me. Many of those kinds of things. If I would take the stock of that moment, it's like, this isn't so bad. Or it could be, you know, although it looks like it might be a while before I get to do this again, I could be just sitting in a bar with Scott having a drink and there'd be just nothing wrong with that moment. So right here, right now in this moment, I am doing quite fine. And so we can uh, bring ourselves. So that was it. I wanted to give you five strategies so you could think, I mean, a lot of us, our minds are just a little rattled in this moment. How do we get ourselves back to a calm spot? What are some techniques we can use? So we said, be the observer, practice cognitive dissonance, take action in the moment when you can delay your worrying. Say, I'll worry about that tomorrow. 
and then um, be here and now, present in the moment, Hicketnunk. And uh, those are just five things that you can do, and we'll stick those into the show notes as well. So I know we've run this thing a little bit long, but I wanted to talk about one last thing before we get out the door, and that was um, – you know, we talked about doing 30-day challenges, but I was thinking, you know, one of the things we really ought to be thinking about is how we shorten our horizon just a little bit. What's one thing that we could do this week? And I want to challenge the listeners to this as well. To say, you know, what is one thing that you would just like to be working on this week? You know, something you would like to um, use to move the ball forward for what you are doing, right? So um, I was trying to think of what kinds of things might people do. Now, I've got lists of 30-day challenges that I've put up in the past, but uh, the kinds of things that we might do right now, I think a lot of folks are feeling disconnected, and I think taking specific action on getting reconnected might be useful. You know, think about your circles, family, friends, community, you know, making a call you know, maybe even taking someone who is a little uncomfortable with the idea and forcing them into a Zoom call so you can look them in the eye and see how they're doing is a good thing because they've probably not done that. But I thought you guys might have some ideas on that. So um, I'll start with Scott because I see him nodding and uh, Carol taking notes. So I'm not sure if that's a good sign or a bad sign. She's either got a big list or she's going, oh my God, it's OMG, OMG, OMG. Across so we're going to start with Scott. Scott, what do you think people might be doing this week as a challenge? Well, I think uh, for me, I'm going to take a page out of your walking book. And I've noticed that my steps have also gone down a lot. Um, and so I think I'm going to do a seven-day challenge of trying to get 10,000 steps every day. Yeah. Not trying. There is no try. There is do or do not, right? Amen. Yoda, Yoda yeah. is here, man. Do or do not. Yeah. I'm going to get 10,000 steps a day for seven days. I think that's a good one. I have a friend who um, told me last night that she is uh, not drinking for a week. Uh, alcohol, of course. She's drinking other things like water. But uh, – yeah. So if, you're using, if, if that's a thing that's gotten a hold of you, you feel like you want to do something like that, it's probably a good time to do it. You know, one of the things I have taken on that I do is like when I'm not feeling well, because we talked about the walking thing, um, but I will do a one or two day fast um, just to kind of clear my head because it works really well. It clear. I love the way it clears my head. Now, I always have to steel myself up to get ready for it, get my head spot. But once I do it, it's like, oh, this is this works really well. So a 24 or 48 hour fast. Um, Carol, is there anything on your list you think people might take as a one week, something they could say, oh, over the course of the week, I'd like to do this and then know that I've got it done? I really like the idea about figuring out where I want to connect. And I am looking for um, adding two new connections in. Maybe it's somebody that I always thought, gosh, if we only had time, it'd be really great to get to know that person a little bit more. In my case, one of them is a neighbor. Um, there are a few houses down and we just, I travel, they travel, we don't see each other much, but I just discovered there's this thing called next door that we're all on. And I think they're on there and I'm going to pursue that and even say, you know, I know this might sound silly to connect you during social distancing, but what better time? Because we know we're both home. And so that's one of the things. And there's a, prof a professional connection from my LinkedIn group. You know, I, you get these endless people trying to connect or wanting to connect and it can seem so, so distant a lot of times. There's one particular person who reached out to say, can we link in? And I thought, I'm going to pursue conversation here. This isn't just going to be an accept or a like or something. I want to have real dialogue. So that's, those are the two things that I'm going to do this week. 
Yeah, I think that's a great, great idea. You know, a novel connection, perhaps, or reinforcing something with somebody that we know. All right, I think these are all great ideas. I hope that you, our listener, picks up something for yourself, just a little challenge, a little thing you can give yourself and say, I want to get this done over the course of the coming week. Uh, Scott Pfeiffer, if people want to get a hold of you, how do they do that? Uh, you can find me at uh, Scott P, www.fscottp.com. I'm on LinkedIn as Scott Pfeiffer. I'm on Twitter as at fscottp. And you can email me at strategybusinessconsulting at gmail.com. Excellent. Carol Hamilton, how will people get a hold of you when they want to do that? They can find me on LinkedIn at Carol Hamilton Live. Or you can email me at carol at redfoxroad3words.com. Excellent. I was thinking about that three words. It's three words, but no spaces. You know, there's there's no no spaces in there. (laughs) All right. I'm Phil Yanov, and I bring you Tech After Five when I can. And now, by the way, super cool. You've probably seen Tech After Five is virtual. So you can attend Tech After Five, uh, BYOB, BYOY-FI, and uh, we will make all the connections with you. So uh, we got excited. We got a bunch of events coming up. I want you to join us. Do that at ta5.com or techafter5.com. Uh, if you need to know more about me, I would love to connect with you on Twitter. I'm Phil Yanov, and uh, I'm also at philyanov.com, which takes you to both Phil Yanov and Tech After Five. You can get more of me in your life if that's what you want to do. We'd certainly love to have you. If it makes sense for you to connect with our tech community, we'd love to have you show up now at one of our events, which you can do from your desk. All right. Thank you. See you next time. <laughs>